in three, two, one. Welcome to the Ascent of Bench Sports Podcast, where four washed-up athletes now sit around and scrutinize sports. Starting at center bench, you have Mikey, Peo, Luke, and myself, Luca. Luke, you sent a video on the group chat about uh, your uh, lights in the gym. What's going on there? It looks like a club. Yeah, I set up a, a spin studio. Now that spin goes shut down, I, I get these really impulsive ideas in my head where I was riding on a bike one day and I was like, to, to cool it down, I'm just going to turn the lights off and like spin in the dark. And then it brought me back to my days at all these cycling studios. Um, so immediately after, went on Amazon, found these lights um and they like flash to the music so i don't know if you guys saw the videos but it's legit like a club i like had four seizures in a span yeah. of 30 minutes <laughs> it uh, looks like a spinco spinco class yeah it's pretty pretty sick though at the end i i shot it i put, turned it to like a solid color after 30 minutes and then at the end i did like a a calming blue and like played some relaxing music and stuff will you be running any classes virtually yeah, for there's there's always classes for a fee, Matt. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> Mikey, why don't you tell us about the, the story story? of meeting Marner? Yeah, that was a slow build. I definitely put in work on that one. <laughs> um, so I used to live downtown. And I used to go to the dog park. Like I was virtually working from almost every every day. Um, I would go to the dog park around the same time, ten thirty, eleven. And sure enough, who shows up? Uh, Marner's girlfriend, Stephanie, and the dog Zeus. And I knew like exactly where they were <laughs> one second they walked in the dog park. The dog um, Zeus. <laughs> yeah. So I was, I just waited uh, for her to like call the name of Zeus. I'm like, oh, is that Zeus? Is that Marner's dog? And she's like, oh yeah, <laughs> like uh, Marner's girlfriend. So then I started chatting <laughs> you with. Psychopath. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. If she was scared, uh, surprised, probably all of the above. But um, so then I started chatting with her, and then. She was there basically every day, so we started, you know, getting to know each other here and there. And then, sure enough, one day she brought Mitch. So then, that's when I got my picture and met his buddy, met him. It was great, but yeah, it was. It definitely took some work. Like I, I probably talked to her eight or nine times before uh, Mitch came on an off day. Uh, that's so, some solid detective work. Yeah. yeah. What was it awkward with him? Like, did you like was the conversation good or was it awkward? No, I just uh, yeah. We, did you ask him anything? I just said I'm a huge. I always like even when I met Matthew, I just said like I'm a huge fan. Like thanks for taking the time. Uh, and I was just chatting with him. They had like played a game the night before. I just said you guys played well, eh? Like it was a good bounce back game. He said yeah, we needed it. It's just shooting the shit like that. Um, and then he kind of like drifted off and just like kind of left me in the <laughs> dust. Uh, just <laughs> fucking weird. yeah. Just chatting with his buddy. Um, and then I just said like. You mind if I just get get a picture? And he, she's Stephanie. Stephanie was like, "Oh, we'll try to do it quietly so people don't notice." And then that was the end of it, basically. We talked about Hyman's nice. dog too. How would he tore his guy? Hyman's dog tore his ACL on the ice too. So like the dogs were running on the ice. He was like, "Oh, you got to be careful." So we talked about that. It was good. And I never. They walk. They walked around saying, "This guy's Joe Goldberg of the Leafs players." They <laughs> <laughs> found a new park, and that was the end of it. <laughs> Oh, weird. They haven't come back since I met them. Every dog park Mikey goes to now, he just yells, Zeus, Zeus, come here. Zeus is a good dog. All right, boys, we, we have a big episode ahead of us. We have a special guest, so we better get rolling. What do you guys think? Yep. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, we're super excited to introduce our first guest to the Center Badge podcast, a true icon in Canadian sports media. He's had a tremendous career that includes being a producer at CBC's Hockey Night in Canada, producing 23 Stanley Cups, winning an Emmy for his work on the Olympic Games coverage. He was a VP at both MLSC and NHL, a Sportsnet Hockey Central panelist, and most recently, Global Ambassador to Tim and Sid. We welcome <laughs> Mr. John Shannon to the Center Bench Podcast. Welcome, John. You know what? You're that you're uh, one of the few that remembers my Global Ambassadorship. That's good. <laughs> I appreciate that. You know, Couldn't you know, they, Tim and Tim and Sid have kind of forgotten me. You know, since I got let go. So you know, but but the only thing is that they promised they'd never have another Global Ambassador, and they've they've kept their word. So there we go. That's there all that go. matters. I must say, as I was I was putting the note down together you have a resume that would get united if you're in britain so super impressive oh i don't think so i i, I don't think so my wife just keeps telling me that i can't keep a job <laughs> you've had a good run you've had a good run uh, so we wanted to kick things off with some fun so we do this thing called uh, yearbook superlative so matt's going to take it take you through it so yeah, with our yearbook superlatives they're mostly phrases most likely two situations so we got two here for you 
The first one, most likely to crack open a beer during an interview. Your options are A, Jumbo Joe Thornton of the Toronto Maple Leafs, B, Nick Nurse of the Toronto Raptors, and C, Kevin Pillar, former Blue Jay. I don't know Pillar at all, but my bet is Nick Nurse. I think Nick is uh, so darn down to earth. Uh, and I, and, and I think Jumbo is now into such fitness. I'm not sure he drinks much beer. Although I, I, I tell you what, anybody who spends that much time in Switzerland has to like beer. So, um, but uh, so my bet is Nick nurse. And I think he would love to have two. There you go. And he, might, he might bust out a tune and uh, play out his guitar while he does that <laughs> as well. <laughs> All right. Then the next one we have for you, uh, most likely to forget, forget their lunch money when the team orders lunch on Fridays. Your options are A, Bob McCowan, B, Sid Sixero, and C, Nick Kiprios. Well, I'll tell you right now, the latter two never stop eating. (laughs) (laughs) Kiprios and Sixero are bottomless pits. So eating is never a problem. There is not one day in my time working alongside either of them where I didn't find them eating. <laughs> Sixero always had chicken fingers at the desk and Nick was always on his way to Tim Hortons. So the answer by far would be McCowan because he's too old to remember where his life <laughs> Perfect. So on that note, I guess we just, we just mentioned Bob McCowan. So tell us what it was like to work with Bob for so many years. Oh, listen, I, I was fortunate. I think I worked with three of the greatest natural broadcasters in Canada sports broadcasters for sure in Dave Hodge, Ron McLean, and Bob McCowan. All of them have their own little uh, peccadillos. All of them have their own little tricks. But the one thing I can tell you is all of them in their own way were perfectionists. And uh, McCowan, uh, McCowan had the ability to take a single conversation, listen to the first answer, like Larry King would, and then make 15 or 20 minutes out of it and have fun with it or make it controversial or make it educational. He is a remarkable entertainer uh, in so many ways. Um, and it's really a shame that uh, that his career ended the way it did. Uh, mind you, Bob and I are doing a podcast now that uh, three days a week that uh, the numbers are growing. The interest is growing not only in our country, but uh, in North America and around the world. And we're doing just fine. Awesome. You, you mentioned you mentioned controversy with Bob McCown. Um, do you think like is it is it all part of a, a premeditated thing with him where he knows how to drive conversation um, amongst his viewers, um, or is a lot of the time it's stuff that he truly believes in? <laughs> I think it could be both. Yeah. I think it depends. I think Bob has a great sense of timing. Uh, he he has a great sense of when things are lagging. He knows when he needs to stir the pot. Uh, but at the same time, he has a, he's got a very good journalistic skill at asking questions. So I, I think it depends on the moment for Bob. You mentioned Dave uh, Hodge as one mm-hmm. of the person that, people that you loved working with. Were you there um, when that whole Hockey Night Canada fiasco ha- happened? Or with no. Was, no, no I, was fi- I had been fired the year before uh, from Hockey Night. Uh, was actually in Calgary. Uh, had already signed a contract to be the producer for... Uh, the competing TV network at the time, Global, who had uh, another hockey package, uh, and uh, watched on that Saturday night, knowing full well what the rules of the CBC were, and Dave was going to be mad if it happened, and it did happen, and uh, 20 minutes after the show went off the air, the phone rang at my house, and Dave said, you got a job for me? (laughs) I said, yeah, we do. So we hired him on the spot. Yeah, there you go. Uh, what's the funny story at Hockey Night in Canada producing? Do you have any good tales to tell us? None that I can talk about here. Uh, (laughs) It's a safe place. Listen, we promise we won't say. Well, um, you you know, the the thing about Hockey Night was it it was such a brotherhood. Um, It was a family. Uh, We had a bunch of guys for almost two decades that traveled together and uh, spent our waking hours, whether it be in an arena or a TV truck or in a hotel bar. And we laughed a lot. We, we worked hard. We, we, we passionately believed in our business and believed in the show. 
Uh, and I think that was, was on display every Saturday night and in the playoffs. Um, so there was, you know, I mean, if you ask me how many times was I laughing uproariously as a member of the hockey night in Canada family, I would have told you every day. <laughs> it was, it was one of the, there wasn't one individual incident that put me over the top. Yeah. Uh, it was just, it was just a blast all the time. Uh, and the people you worked with made it a blast. The, the players that you were able to associate with made it a blast. It was just, it, it was one of those things that if you were, uh, if you were living in the Toronto suburbs and it was Saturday morning, you could not get in your car and drive fast enough to the arena to get there. It was that much fun. Luke had mentioned one of, uh, your achievements producing the Olympic games, um, what, if you can recall any big challenges with producing the Olympic Games while you were while you're doing so? Oh yeah, I mean, I did seven actually. I was involved in seven Olympics. Um, my first one was in Calgary in 1988. Um, I was in Lillehammer in 1990. Barcelona. I didn't like summer games. I'll tell you what. I, I, I much preferred winter games to summer games. Um, summer games are just too darn big. You know, yeah. too many sports. Um, uh, I you know. It was too hot. <laughs> uh, it, they were long hours. I loved the winter games. The winter games were smaller, are smaller. Uh, you had the ability to focus on certain things. Uh, and I, I, as a Canadian, I think we're much more uh, prone to enjoy the, uh, the winter games mm. more. Uh, we're, we're, we're a winter sport country in so many ways, whether it be skiing, hockey, curling, you know, they, I mean, all of these, all of these acrobatic skiing um, uh, sports now are, are are basically a lot of them came out of the province of Quebec, and 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 came out of Whistler and came out of uh, out of uh, Canadian Canada Olympic Park in Calgary, and and so we in many ways uh, we we've been a driving force of reinventing the Olympic Winter Games, so I've I've enjoyed them a lot more. The 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 award I won, I won an Emmy for my work in 2002 in Salt Lake City, but I wasn't working for a Canadian network. I was actually working for NBC at the time, Mikey. And uh, we had, you know, I, I was uh, one of the very few Canadians. I think there were two of us, two Canadians on a crew of 75 Americans. Uh, and we were, uh, you, you know, we were fighting the fight of Canada's Olympic teams uh, against, uh, all, all these let's see, 73 other people wanted team USA to win. So that was, that was fun. <laughs> that was, that was enjoyable. And in the end, Canada won the women's gold on a Thursday and won the men on Sunday. So That's right. we, we, it was a double victory for us. Would you say that was your favorite Olympic games that you covered the 2002 in Salt Lake? No, or? no, no. Lillehammer, Norway in 1994 was by far the greatest uh, lifetime experience I ever had at an Olympics. Uh, it was like having uh, the Olympic Games in Huntsville. It was a small town. Everybody knew everybody. The main street was like a carnival. Uh, it was folksy. Uh, the Norwegians, the Norwegians are very much like us. They're very, uh, they have the same philosophy of life that Canadians do. Nothing that a good beer can't solve. Um, and, <laughs> right. uh, and, and, and the Norwegians have a relationship with the Swedes like we do the Americans. You know, they're, you know the, the Sweden's a much bigger country than Norway population-wise, although it's not, not as drastic as Canada, USA. But we, we had so much in common, and we, I loved going there. We were, I think I made seven trips to Norway in a two-year period, and the last time I was there was for the games and I was there about 63 straight days and it was just a, a fantastic experience and something, you know, it's uh, so what's that? 27 years now. I w actually 27 years and 27 years ago today, I would, we were just ready to start the games and uh, it, it was a, it was a just an absolute thrill and a, a lifetime uh, of exuberance to, to be there for that period of time. We were just born then, John. <laughs> Yeah, I have socks. I, listen, uh, we have socks older than you. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like the all-Canadian division? And could you ever see it becoming a permanent solution in the NHL? Uh, it's. It, I like it. Uh, I'll, I'll just say no. I don't think it'll be permanent. I just it doesn't make any sense business-wise. Um, uh, I like it, but um, 
my fear is is that with the Canadian division uh, and how much fun we're having with it, because we're having fun with it right now. You know, the, the, on the night we're recording this, you know, Vancouver's in Montreal, Calgary's in Winnipeg, Ottawa's in Edmonton. You know, what a night. I mean, three, <laughs> three head-to-head matchups, uh, um, and it's fun. But y- you know what? Uh, I'm not sure we can. I, I, I'm not sure we can take the intensity for 56 games in a season of all this. Uh, and I also think we're paying so much attention to the Canadian division. I think we've we, we're not paying attention to anything that's going on south of the border, other than the COVID postponements. You know, or like, do you realize how good Washington is right now? Uh, do you realize how good Vegas is right now? Um, you know, the most, the only undefeated team in regulation right now is Florida. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, if you're trying to you're if you're trying to make the NHL better and bigger, you know, by, by cordoning it off like this, uh, you're, I don't think you're doing a service to the whole league. I think you're doing a great service to Canadians who want to watch Canadian teams play. But at the same time, I, I wouldn't say that it's, uh, it's my, it, it's my lifelong dream to have it. You know, I mean, and particularly we got Seattle coming next year and I want to see it, a Vancouver, Seattle rivalry yeah. grow. Uh, and I want to see a Toronto Buffalo rivalry get uh, renewed. I want to see Boston Montreal get renewed. Uh, there, I want to see Minnesota Winnipeg that should be a great rivalry. I want to see that grow. There's there's a ton of things that are north south rather than east west. You know, I mean, I feel bad not to drag on here, but I feel bad for the people in Winnipeg. Two Saturdays in a row. They've had home games start at 9 p.m. local time because they're playing teams that are in bigger cities than them in Calgary yeah. and in uh, Vancouver, uh, and 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 they're forced to to do the late game. Right? If you have people going to the arena in Winnipeg, do you want them to go to a game that starts at at 9 p.m. and ends at 11:30? I, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. You know, particularly on a school night. The Leafs had to play a couple Sundays ago. They played at 4 p.m. during football, and they didn't play the Saturday night before that. Yeah, we don't care about we don't care about football. <laughs> it sounds like the, our friend the, Matt here. The rating, the rate, the ratings prove that we don't care about football. <laughs> you know, I mean, who? It, it, it's at at a certain point in our country, you have to put strength versus strength, and then you so you put hockey. I mean, make make football change its schedule. Don't make yeah. hockey change hey, its schedule. I'm, I'm for that. Why I'll sign that. Why would hockey have to change its schedule? I'll sign that petition. Let's do it. You know, I mean, you know, come on. Um, speaking about the Leafs, how do you think they're off to? They're off to a hot start. What do you think of their uh, season so far? How do you like their off-season moves? Uh, what's your What's your thoughts on Dubis and the team heading forward? I'm a Kyle fan, for the record. Uh, I think he's, I think he's a modern-day general manager. I'm not. Necess- that doesn't mean I agree with the way they play the game. Uh, I would like to see that. I'd like to see any team um, be a little more physical. Uh, I, 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 I still, if you watch the Maple Leafs enough, I'm still concerned uh, when they get into a seven-game series. Are they going to be physical enough to manage the other team? Some may say yes. Great, fantastic. Um, I'm, I'm. In, I guess I'm in the minority. I, 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 I the Joe Thornton thing does nothing for me uh long term short term any term i think again he's a remarkable player he's you know he's probably going to get into the hall of fame but i i you know i don't understand what what they're trying to do other than trying to you know put a little gravy on a on something that needs to be fixed and and that's his leadership skill it's supposed to help um, he's supposed to help this team mature, um, almost more than he's supposed to help contribute on the ice. And that to me uh, speaks, um, of the issues that the, that the club has, they still have, you know, they still have their problems on the blue line. No, um, I'm a Freddie Anderson fan. So I think he's a, a really good goaltender, particularly for the dollar. And if they can keep him at this dollar in the next contract, then it probably makes sense to keep him. Uh, it depends how much he wants, yeah. uh, and and if he wants to play here. Uh, and, but to me, I, I think that there's they're still going to end up having the same issues. Can they beat the? You know, they don't have to beat the Boston Bruins anymore. 
mm-hmm. not this year at least. They don't have to beat the Washington Capitals, but could they? Can they beat them? And and we won't know until the third round if the Maple Leafs get to the third round. Simmons and Bonazian are, are not are not enough for you in terms of the toughness department and hard to play against. That doesn't add enough grit. No, no. They're so, older and slower. <laughs> I don't, I don't, they're I don't older and slower. They're older and slower. You know, um, that's again. I mean, there's lots of people that can disagree with me. I have no problem with that. But uh, but this this game is is getting younger, faster, and tougher. You know, everybody wants Tom Wilson. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Josh Anderson is Tom Wilson light. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, the, the, those are the types of players that are going to, I think, make a difference because all, I mean, the superstars in this league, there, there's a fine line, I think, with most superstars in this league. It's, it's the, 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 that second group, that guy, the guys on the periphery of superstardom that are going to make the difference for the hockey clubs. You know, and Heim, and and, and the, the guy on this club that reflects that better than anybody is Zach Hyman. Mm. But is he, is he, can he compete with Tom Wilson? Can he compete with Josh Anderson? Um, you, you know, that, that to me becomes the issue. You know, Vancouver changed when they added a guy like JT Miller to do that. You know, uh, so that's where I, that's where I think the Maple Leafs are still, in addition to the blue line that, that they're just not rugged enough for me. So, so do you think they can win with this core four that they have in, in Matthews, Tavares, Marner, and Nylander? Or do you think they're going to have to change that up in order to, to win in the playoffs? Well, I, 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 Mikey, as I said, it, it's not those guys. It's those superstars. I don't have an issue with them. Yeah. But they, they don't play every minute. You know, it's not like LeBron playing 45 or 48 minutes. It's not yeah. like Tom Brady touching the ball 83 times. You know, Mitch Marner has a big night. He plays 25 minutes. Well, what are they going to do with the other 35? Yeah. You know, and, and when they, and when you play two of them at the same time, you know, you, you do need, you I mean, depth, depth is so important in this sport more than anything else. And, you know, the, the, to te- do the teams have the championships teams always have depth. You know, I'm, you know, long before all of you guys were born, um, the New York Islanders won four consecutive Stanley Cup with some of the greatest superstars in the game, but it was the difference makers were, you know, the Bob Bournes of the world, yeah, uh, the Bob Nystroms of the world. Um, it wasn't it, it, Trache and, and Gillies and Potman were all great players. Butch Goring and Bob Bourne and um, and and a, and a ton of second guy, second level guys won championships for them. But you talked about the depth, and I just think it's hard for them to change their depth with being so top-heavy and having so much of the money eaten up with those guys. So, then they've made that decision. Yeah, they've made they've made that decision, and and you know, I mean, and those those you, you're not getting out of those contracts. You know, you're not getting out of Tavares's deal. No, you're not. You're not getting. You're not getting. So you you have what you have to do then is find ways, and this is what this is what Kyle's tried to do with the Spezza signing and with the Thornton signing is you get veteran players at, at cheap dollars, hoping that they can uh, fill those gaps short term. And right now the experiment is still on and, you know, next summer we'll make the, the same decision. Did it work again? Yeah. Hasn't worked yet, but did it work again? One of the major headlines South of the border was a situation with Jim Rutherford abruptly resigning in Pittsburgh um, in terms of potential candidates that Pittsburgh might go after, any names come top of mind? And do you think maybe this is the time where you might blow it up and trade one of, if not all, Crosby, Malkin, and Latang? And why would you do that? <laughs> I wouldn't do it personally. <laughs> okay. okay, good. He's um, a Pens fan. <laughs> so, uh, you know, there's tons of stories out there who's, who's in line for this job. Uh, David Morehouse is the president of the Penguins. He's a really smart guy. He's got a. He's actually got a background um, working in uh, working for Bill Clinton, uh, President Clinton, uh, and got connected with the Penguins through one of the owners, Ron Burkle, who was a huge uh, uh, donated millions of dollars to Clinton's presidential campaign. Uh, and, and and Morehouse has learned 
uh, from coming over from politics uh, and learned on the job within the Penguin organization of how to manage uh, the organization. And there's no question that Morehouse is in charge uh, and he and Mario will decide who the manager is. And I, th they're trying to do it quickly. Um, but I think, I think they're just going to take their time. I mean, we, we do know that guys like Chris Drew, mm -hmm. uh, uh, from the Ranger organization, John Ferguson Jr. from Boston, who was with San Jose and obviously was with the Maple Leafs for a while are, are on lists. But I, I suspect that there are other names that, uh, we haven't even heard yet that are going to get some time in front of Morehouse and Lemieux to make the decision. In terms of uh, Jim Rutherford, he was a big guy for making trades. I think they said out of his six years there, he made 61 trades total. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, we're finally going to be able to see Patrick Line in the lineup today against the Columbus Blue Jackets. What are your thoughts on how that trade uh, turned out? And do you have any uh, early winners from that trade, either Winnipeg or Columbus, or too early to tell? Well, I mean, Dubois won't play for another week. Uh, line A, I'm not even sure. The first period's already done. I'm not sure how many shifts he got in the first period. He hadn't. He hasn't played in, what would it be? He hasn't played in, who, sure nine enough. days, ten days. Um, so um, it's it's difficult to gauge. I This is not one that I think you can measure uh, quickly. I mean, the hope is that Dubois is there for a long period of time. And the hope, I think Yarmo Kekalainen thinks he can sign line A to another deal. He's, he's, you know, you talk about Rutherford not being afraid to make moves. Yarmo is, he's a wheeler dealer. He'll do anything. You know, what, he, what, what Yarmo did was brilliant uh, for many years. He found a way to draft very smartly. And he has um, a ton of depth in his draft picks and also traded you know, second and third liners to get more draft picks. And then he's now taken all those draft picks and started to move them around to improve his hockey club. Uh, that's what he did with the, the Duchesne deal. Didn't work. That's okay. We had lots of guys to, we knew that, we knew that if Duchesne didn't work, Texier was going to come in and be a difference maker. Well, Texier has played great for them, you know, homegrown. Um, you know, just a fantastic player. I would argue right now is playing better than Duchesne is in Nashville. Mm -hmm. um, that's the type of thing that Yarmo is famous for. Do I think Yarmo is hopeful that he can get Line A to sign a long-term deal there. They have the money. Um, they're they're not really in in tough cap times in in Columbus, and and Columbus is a great town, great place to live. And uh, it's a it's a good fit there because they need a goal scorer, and it just so happens that Patrick Line is a, good, a really good goal scorer. So I I think I think it could be a win win for them. At the same time, I think all four of you guys know that uh, if you have a chance to trade for a top line center in the National Hockey League, yeah. you trade for a top line center. And this guy's a horse. This guy is an absolute beast. You know, maybe you watched a little closer in the bubble how good he was for the Jackets against. Uh, Toronto and how he was uh, was in the se even the second round series against Tampa how good he was and I think that's what sold Yarmo on uh, that's what sold the Kevin Chevelday off on on trying for him and uh, listen this was a trade of necessity both of them wanted out and Line a went to a you know who's a Finn went to a team that's managed by a Finn he's also he also got traded with a with a player Jack Roslovich who was in. Winnipeg with him, who happened to be from Columbus. So there was lots of logic there. Uh, Dubois' dad is an assistant coach for in the AHL for the for the Manitoba Moose. I think there's a ton, I think there's a ton of logic in this one, and that both filled needs and solved some problems in the short term. One of uh, the developing story taking place now is Tony D'Angelo with the New York Rangers. How do you see that playing itself out? Do you think he does get traded? I think he just cleared waivers. Does a team take a chance on a player like him? Um, yeah. People, uh, <laughs> the magic thing about this business. Uh, so, so this is, it's 2021. I started do I started going and working at games in 1977. Uh, started producing in 1978. Um, every general manager in the national hockey league thinks he can rehabilitate anybody. Uh, the, some of the greatest managers in the world said, I can take a guy off the scrap heap and make him better and he can help my team. Uh, th and there are, there are really good examples. Uh, Glenn Sather did it with Craig McTavish. 
who um, who had had some tragic events in his life and and Glenn Sather traded for him out of Boston and all McTavish did was go on to have a flourishing career and win the Stanley Cup multiple times not only with the Oilers but with the Rangers um, the, we've also seen lots of trades like that fail so it becomes the issue of the risk reward are you prepared to take the risk and there's a chance you might get rewarded and it, and then in the end it'll be it, it really will be he's he's got a, his contract is about almost 10 million dollars 9.6 million dollars over 2 years does what do the rangers get in return or do they just want something in return or do they have to eat some of the contract a little bit of the contract or are they just are they going to just give them away at uh, at at bargain basement prices that that's Jeff Gordon's job to figure out uh, what to do for, and, and they've they've committed with Pat Brisson, who's Tony's agent, to do what's best for Tony to get him another job and go from there. Yeah, I think the whole Rangers organization has done a great job in handling the situation. Uh, they've been transparent and all that, and they've impressed me in that manner. Um, in terms well, of, I, let, let me just let me let me just jump in there. Yeah, I, I, I have huge I have huge bias with the Rangers. Um, I think I think John Davidson's a brilliant hockey person. Mm-hmm. Um, I think John understands and uh, John understands the game. Uh, John has done a did an amazing job at reestablishing the St. Louis Blues. They were a money loser, a huge money loser when John arrived there. By the time he left, they were stable. They were on. Uh, they had. They were going in the right direction. And two and a half years later, they win the Stanley Cup. Um, you know, his time in Columbus, uh, they needed, they needed somebody in Columbus to, to write the ship there too. And, uh, he went in, um, stabilized the organization, hired Yarmo to do the job as general manager, created a positive environment. And really, in my opinion, and this is just my opinion, the only place he would have gone, the only place he would, the only reason he would have left was to go back to New York and be president of the New York Rangers, the team he played for. Because yeah. uh, we all, at some point in our lives, want to go home. And that's what John wanted to do eventually. Uh, but I think he would have been just as happy in many ways, maybe happier after this weekend, um, to stay in Columbus. But he wanted to, he's loyal, he's a, he's a Ranger, uh, and he believes in, in, and if you've ever been to Madison Square Garden, uh, and you hear the people chant his name, you understand why. Who do you think is the the single most impactful um, person in hockey to their franchise? Well, Connor McDavid, um, in but, so many ways. But, histor- but historically, as well, I'm speaking. Well, I, I mean, there are different ways to to look at that. Uh, I mean, in the in the 1970s, there was nobody more influential in the game than Sam Pollock, who was the general manager of Montreal Canadiens. Um, and, and not only was he good with his own team when they were a dynasty through the, throughout the seventies, uh, but the influence he had in the people in the game, uh, whether it be Scotty Bowman, um, you know, there was, there was a ton of people that came out of the Montreal organization to take other jobs in other places. Uh, look at all of the players that played in for Pollock in the seventies in Montreal that went on to great careers in coaching and in managing uh, and their influence throughout the game. So from, from that perspective, from a pure hockey perspective, Sam Pollock was as influential at that period of time uh, as anybody. But if you're talking in 2021, uh, I think the pendulum has swung to it's, this is a player's league. Now it's, it's not as much of a player's league as the NBA, but it's a player's league now, and I think Connor McDavid's the most influential person in the game. This season, still early, but who's impressed you, teams-wise and players-wise? Who surprised you, impressed you? Um, I tell you what, you know who's, you know what teams really impressed me? Because I thought they were going to take a little bit of a fall, the Boston Bruins. Um, you know, David Pasternak's back now scoring. Uh, Tuka Rask is playing well. Yaro Halak is playing well. They've got a good tandem in goal. Their young defense, uh, I don't think they've missed Krug and Chara as much as people thought they would. Uh, they've played well. Patrice Bergeron is arguably the best two-way player the game has ever seen. 
do I ask that? Dare I go that far? But he's obvious. He's certainly one of the best two way players in the history of the game. Brad Marchand is playing so well. They, they appear to have uh, found a way to do it again. Um, you know, Don Sweeney didn't make very many changes this off season. Craig Smith came from Nashville. He has fit in perfectly. He's contributing. So the Boston Bruins have really impressed me. They've only lost once in regulation this year, and that was to that was to Chara and the Caps. Um, so they've they've been impressive. Florida has been impressive, as I talked about earlier. But uh, the Central Division is so weak; uh, it's difficult to measure anybody in that division. I think uh, in in the in the West, Vegas has been the. I guess that's the Pacific. Um, um, Vegas has been good, but you know we, now that we haven't seen them play for five days because of some COVID protocol issues, and in in Canada, I think you have to be really impressed with what Montreal's done. Uh, Montreal has done a a, a really good job. Um, they have. I, I it's funny. I think Mark Bergevin has understood that depth word in a fifty six game compacted hundred and sixteen day schedule better than anybody else. And so he has lots of players he can pull up that can contribute. I mean, even tonight, um, the young defenseman, uh, Romanov, is, is not playing tonight. And Brett Kulak's playing. Now, I don't know whether that's an injury or it's just a, a coach's decision. But the fact that they have the ability to do that really speaks volume for the depth that that organization has. Yeah. As, a, as a diehard Leaf fan, it's hard to... It's, <laughs> I, I agree I agree with you, Montreal. And... and <laughs> Montreal and Boston have been uh, impressive, especially Boston. They seem like the the system is bigger than just one individual player, and they just keep chugging. Well, they, but they're 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 players, um, and this is not a reflection on any other team or any team at all. But their their players play with such pride of being Boston Bruins and play with such character, and it's lit. And Bergeron leads it all, as Cherry used to lead it. Bergeron yep. now leads it all, and. The, that's, I think that's so, you know, there, there's a lot of people that love analytics. I'm not one of them. There's lots of people that look at the game and uh, they, they laugh at the intangibles. Um, but personality and character and the code still exist in this game. Um, there's an integrity in this game, the way it should be played. Uh, and eventually it does pay off. And it takes time and it takes persistence and it takes personality. And, and you, I think most of the time you find uh, over the years that, uh, that those teams with that personality and persistence and integrity win in the end. Um, I mean, Tampa, Tampa's, in my mind, Tampa is a great example. You know, 2015, they were, they were the bright lights. And, you know, they got they got knocked out by the Blackhawks in the final in, in, in six games. They had to fight their way through it. They missed the playoffs. They became the cock of the walk again, more, more wins than anybody else. I think it was 61 wins. Columbus beat them in four. And you have to learn, you have to go through that cycle. And you have to know what it takes to get, to, to, to play to win. And if you're not prepared to do it, and there were guys on that organization for that period of time from 2015 to 2019 that weren't prepared to pay the price. Tampa needed to, in many ways, Tampa needed to learn how to lose before it could win. And, and in the, in the end, that's what they've done. And, and you know, and to, to bring it back to the Maple Leafs, the question becomes is have these guys learned enough to win? You know, has Matthews learned enough to win? Has Marner learned enough to win? Has Morgan Riley learned enough to win? Nylander, has he learned enough to win? I'm not worried about the veterans. It's the young superstars, have, you know. You know, and and I'm again, I'm just going to state a fact without being editorial. No matter whether he wins the Stanley Cup or not, Mitch Marner still gets ten million dollars. So you have there has there's got to be something, you know. The will to win is so important, particularly in the playoffs, and that's. That's what you see when when you when you see the character and the code of the game. Have you seen that will to win kind of fade off as we we change generations here, or do you think it still exists? Well, that's a that's very much a hey, get off my lawn question. <laughs> <laughs> Just um, testing you. The, the athletes, listen, 
I think the hockey players today are so much better. You know, when, when, you know, in, in, in all those years that I talked about early, uh, not everybody could shoot the puck and pick the tor- pick the corner. Not everybody, not everybody could score. Uh, role players were just that they were role players. They were to go out there, be physical and make sure the other team didn't score. Well, fourth liners score now. Yeah. And, and, and so the game is different. Uh, and you have to, everybody has to learn. Everybody has to skate. Everybody has to skate at, at a certain level. That wasn't always the case uh, with a ton of teams, a ton of teams that won. Um, so it, I, it's very difficult to compare generations. Mm-hmm. Um, but these guys are just, the skill factor is in, in, in 2021 is just spectacular. Who do you have winning the Stanley Cup and coming out of the four divisions? Uh, I have Montreal. I didn't have Montreal to begin with, but I've been convinced in 10 games. (laughs) I have Montreal, Tampa, Vegas. So now I'd I'd really like to pick pick the Penguins. I really would because I am such such a Crosby fan. I am such a Crosby fan. I really am. I just... I'm in awe of Sid Crosby as a player. I, 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 more so than Connor, to be honest. John, you just uh, made Matt's yeah. No, I am. I, I just think he's spectacular. Well, I don't. Know, it, I don't know if you can see it here, guys. I see it. Yeah. But 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 that's a that's a an original uh, pencil sketch by a guy named Rob Scott out of Nova Scotia. Oh wow! Of Sid, huh. and over here. Wow! Uh, look at that. Oh, there you got that jersey. <laughs> eh? But that is that's rookie jersey, right? Wow. That's rookie year. It beats my picture over here. (laughs) (laughs) And and, uh, they're they're up because I just think he's a spectacular player. And uh, and I I spend a little time with Sid. Not a lot. I spend a little time with Sid at some events. Uh, And I I just marvel at his composure uh, and his professionalism and and his, his humanity. He's just an amazing young guy. When you talk about like the greatest, so, but I'm going to pick Washington. <laughs> <laughs> you had me there for a bit. <laughs> um, when you talk about like the greatest of all time debate, we talked about like comparing different eras. Uh, obviously, the game has changed tremendously of how it used to be played, and it's always a little bit challenging to compare players in different eras. But in terms of Sidney Crosby, do you have him ranked in that top five greatest of all time? Uh, well, let's, well, I mean, let's talk Mount Rushmore, okay? Yeah. So, um, Bobby Orr. Well, I, Gretzky, Lemieux, Orr, and who? Crosby for me in that. <laughs> well, it, but but here here's the problem. So you, then you have to do a post-expansion. Mm-hmm. You have to do a 67 on um, version. I mean, where do you put Ovechkin in that? Where do you put Crosby? I mean, how do they compare to Rocket Richard? Um, I mean, there are different standard bearers of different... That's why I said it's so hard to compare generations. That's why when the NHL did their whole uh, top 100 players, they brought them out in generate. They brought them out in decades. Right. And just said, here are the greatest players of the... And just did them as a block because you couldn't, you couldn't do them that way. Um, but I, I, I think Sid is, I think Sid's certainly in that group. Uh, I think Mario's in that group. Um, obviously Wayne is, but where do you put, where, where do you put Mark Messier? Where do you mm-hmm. put Yarmer Yager? Yeah. You know, um, and, and the good thing with all of them in my mind is, is that they all have their name on the Stanley cup. They're not individuals. This is still the ultimate team sport. This is still the greatest team sport you play. Because as great as you can be, you can't play for 60 minutes. And you do need teammates. Uh, and that's what makes this game, I think that's why that makes this game better than the, the rest of them. So, you know, you got Wayne, you've got Mario, you got Bobby Orr, you got Sid, you got Ovi, uh, you got, where's Gordy Howe? Uh, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's, you know, is he one of the greatest players in the history of the game? Yes, he's one of the greatest players in the history of the game. I don't know how many of that how how many are on that list, but he's on the list. Something we've debated on uh, this podcast uh, quite a few times, and we're here curious to see, hear your opinion. The question is: Would you rather, over the next three years, 
Would you rather have uh, Sidney Crosby or Austin Matthews? Oh, I'll take Sid every day. <laughs> Love it. Just I'll upset take Sid every day. I'll take Sid every day. I mean, I, I, you the know. decline of Sidney Crosby over the prime of Austin Matthews. What decline? Sidney Crosby makes every player around him better. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I agree with that. Does Austin Matthews? I think he's getting there. I think so. Oh, he's getting there. <laughs> <laughs> That's not. Listen, I'm going to get a phone call from from uh, Austin's agent that I'm ripping Austin. I'm not ripping. Austin. I'm not. I'm not ripping Austin. I'm John, not. Ri- I don't think Austin's agent's going to watch this. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, when I tell him he should, he might. <laughs> maybe, maybe. But but you know, and I think Austin Matthews is a brilliant player, brilliant. But you know, he's he's got to get to another level. He's got to get to another level. What does that evolution have to look like for him? I, again, I think it goes to making the people around him better. I think that's a big part of this. Um, uh, and you, you know. In the end, would you rather have a guy, 50 goals, 60 assists out in the first round or 40 goals, 50 assists, win the Stanley Cup? What would you rather have? Taking the cup, yeah. I want a winner. I want winners. And I, 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 as I said about 10 minutes ago, this team is still, this Maple Leaf team is still learning how to win. They, they are still learning how to win. And I think that's Kyle's biggest frustration is, oh, no, we know how to win. Well, then prove it. Then prove it. And, and that, that to me is a, a big part of where the Maple Leaf organization is. What do the Leafs have to do to become winners? Well, I mean, they have to, they have to improve the defense. You think the defense is, to, the, is the, the whole that's keeping them? Yeah, yeah, I do. I, I, I do think that. Um, I think that they have to, they have to, you know, they, you know, they, they, they got TJ Brody f- and re- who replaced Tyson Berry. Uh, tell me the difference. I, I think TJ Brody is a hell of an upgrade over uh, Tyson Berry. Personally, that's my, that's my opinion. So far of what I've You're seen. You're allowed of, to have it. Of, You're of allowed TJ to have Brody. it. I, I, I think... And what I watched, I, I saw I saw Brody play a lot. I saw Brody play a lot in Calgary over the last five years, and and he wasn't near the player in the last two seasons that he was in the first three. Now, could he be a great player? Sure, but I also think Tyson Berry can be too, given mm-hmm. the right circumstance yeah. in the right coaching structure. Yeah, he wasn't. You know, for the I think, Barry. No, but but there's a lot of guys that you know in you know that got burned by the first eight weeks with Mike. Mm-hmm. They got burned with the first eight weeks with Mike, and they could never recover. Talking about Mike, uh, Seattle expansion. What do you where do you where do you think they should go for head coach? You think Mike Babcock's an option? No. No. Who would you go? Rod Brindamore. That's who I would. If Carolina lets you, he d- he doesn't have a contract after July. Oh, first. really? I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Hmm. Yeah, he's he's a free agent after July first, so. That said, Bruce Boudreaux is a good coach. You need a coach in that market that can explain the game a little bit, be a bit of a salesman. You know, I thought for sure, uh, I mean, Gerard Gallant should be on the list too. I, I thought for sure when George McPhee hired Gerard to coach uh, the Golden Knights, that, he, that that wasn't the right choice. Uh, they needed somebody who could sell the game. Mm-hmm. Well, Gerard did an amazing job. Uh, Gerard was spectacular with the media, with the fans, and with his team, you know, that 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 bunch of no names that they got here that went all the way to the final um and and so you have to put Gerard on that list the experience he had in Vegas and he's obviously a very good coach with the successes you see he's had particularly in Florida and Vegas do you how think do you Vegas see... oh go ahead Luke yeah, I was just going to see how, how do you see the expansion team playing out do you think like teams have learned their lesson um, from Vegas, or like, do you think it's going to be significantly different from the last expansion? I don't think people. I, I don't think people are going to mortgage their futures to, to protect a certain player. I mean, in the end, you're only going to lose one guy. And in theory, it's the ninth best player on your team at worst. Mm. So don't worry about the other things. Don't worry about well, I got to protect this guy, so I'm going to give you three guys. You know, it costs people jobs. You know, that cost managers jobs that, you know, I mean, if Alex Tuck had stayed in Minnesota, 
how good would the wild have been? <laughs> Chuck Fletcher might still have a job there. Hmm. You, you know, the, the, you know, Dale Talon in Florida, what did he give up? Riley Smith and Marcia So to protect somebody else. I mean, it's been a while, but you know, those are the types of things. You, I don't think, I don't see that happening. Like giving players to Seattle or draft picks to CL in order to protect certain players. I think managers have learned their lesson. I hope managers have learned their lesson that you only are going to lose one guy and don't sweat it. All right, John. So here at the center bench pod, we have a segment where I fire off a few questions and the fellows answer what first comes to mind. So we would love it if you would participate and join. Sure. Let's go. One fact that no one knows about Bob McCowan. Hmm. Still has a white belt. <laughs> <laughs> Even after Labor Day? No comment. <laughs> Who is the best player in the world? Right now? Yep. Connor McDavid. Who do you have winning the Super Bowl? Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. Nice. Now, last but not least, now that Tim and Sid are officially ending, will you be the global ambassador of the Center Bench Podcast? <laughs> <laughs> What is the price? Uh, <laughs> this, what price do you attach? Is I, you know, my, here's the guy. Here's the thing, guys. One of the one of the key um, core components of anything I do is loyalty, and I have to be loyal to Tim and Sid, no matter where they are, to be the global <laughs> ambassador. There's only one global ambassador, and there's only one group guys called Tim and Sid. That's it. That's I'm not sure answer. I can do. What that. about the okay. the Hamilton ambassador? Can you do that? Well, you know, I, I don't want it. You know what? Here's the thing. You know. Uh, you know, duplication is, it's, it's flattering, but you know what? You guys have to be a little more creative than that. You, know, you have to find something a little more creative than that. We'll think you know? of a creative title for you it. You know, I mean, uh, you, could, you know, you could call me the Prince of the Dundurn Castle. Yeah. There you go. But no, you didn't. You know, so. I, I said, you know what? Both of the boys, both boys are still good boys. So you can't do that. Yeah. No. No, we, we appreciate loyalty here on the podcast. And, and most importantly, yeah. we really appreciate you coming on. You've exceeded our expectations. You're a first ever guest and you were amazing. And I'm the first ever first guest. First ever guest. Yeah. yeah. So oh, it can I'm, only get I'm, worse from here, right? Uh, <laughs> I don't I'm, I'm, I hope I made it a tough act to follow. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, th thank yeah. you so much for your time, John. Truly an honor here. Okay. So here's the deal. When COVID ends, um, and, uh, um, and we're allowed to go to have a beer. We're going to go and there's a place on, oh, what's that street? Anyway, I think it's called Shakespeare's. Is there a restaurant called Shakespeare's? There, there is, a bar? yes. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. that's where we're going. We're going to have beer in the bar. Let's awesome. And, uh, and, uh, finger food. Perfect. Oh, let's let's go. do it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a, uh, I, I love finger food. So, all right. Yeah. Don't forget to support your local restaurants. Okay. Yeah, That's absolutely. Right. Thanks, John. Appreciate your time. Thanks, John. Thanks, John. Cheers, boys. I'm not too sure about you guys, but Sunday was a little too quiet for my liking. Uh, my body was adjusted to an eight hour shift on the, uh, on the couch there. And I was kind of going through, through withdrawal. Yeah. Did it, it was did, definitely weird. Didn't know what to do. It was like I, I was missing a part of my body. I woke up and just like walked around the house for 40 minutes trying to figure out what to do. <laughs> I, I had like eight hours to do something. So I was like, fuck, I should do something productive. So I started cleaning the condo, which I never do. That so <laughs> on weekends where there's no football, you decide not to go to Ikea. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? I, I got I to gotta figure that out. Well, having said that, thank God the Super Bowl is coming up, and I want to flip it over to the bench. Let's get into the matchup. Who's going to win, guys? What are you guys' thoughts? I'm saying this not only with my heart, but also my head, but I have the Kansas City Chiefs to win the Super Bowl. I still haven't seen a reason why Patrick Mahomes can be stopped. Although Tampa Bay has a very strong defense that has been carrying them along the way at the at the end of the season and into the playoffs as well, I still have a hard time seeing Patrick Mahomes in this offense um, not putting up 30 points uh, on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So I, I'm picking the Kansas City Chiefs to win the Super Bowl. It's it's going to be a tight game. Um, kind of been going back and forth with it. I made the mistake of betting against Tom Brady in the NFC Championship, and I instantly regretted it. So I'm not going to make that mistake again. I have Tampa Bay pulling off the upset and winning the Super Bowl. If you look at Tampa Bay as well, let's not forget, they have a pretty good offense themselves with Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, uh, Gronk, Brait, Fournette's running the ball really well. On the Kansas City side, one thing that I saw was I think their center has been placed on the COVID list. 
So who knows if their center is going to be playing. I also, I think they have two guards that are on the offensive side that are uh, not playing as yeah. well. Um, so you're already missing some key guys. I know they're not flashy names that are missing, but they're still important parts of the offense that might be missing. Tom Brady, I know Luki, he's coming off throwing three interceptions in the second half of that NFC Championship game, but at the brightest stage under the Super Bowl, his 10th time being there, Tom Brady's not choking. Wow. I thought I was going to be the only one on Tampa Bay. No, <laughs> <laughs> I'm on Tampa Bay too. TB12 in the Bucks. let's do it. I think they're going to be able to get a lot of pressure, something that Mahomes is not used to. I think that's going to affect their offense greatly. Uh, they've already shown they can't run the ball too well. Uh, so I think the, the Bucks defense will be able to focus on Hill and Chip Kelsey properly. And they'll be able to contain. They're not going to be able to stop the Kansas City offense, but they'll be able to contain them. Um, the Bucks' offense is rolling. They control the game well with good running and short passes. Um, and you have Tom Brady as your quarterback uh, for the cherry on top. But I thought I was going to be in the minority, but I'm going to go with the Bucks. Um, I think like one important thing too, like these teams met in the regular season. I think Casey only won by a field goal. And that was the game where Tyreek Hill just went insane and got two touchdowns and like almost 200 yards in the first half. I think the Bucks defense has learned from that, um, and they're not gonna—they're gonna make sure they're double coveraging Tyreek Hill and not making him get as open as he was in that first matchup of the season. Pale. The problem is, though, if you double cover Tyreek, then Kelsey goes loose, right? <laughs> True. <laughs> There's just so many weapons, and plus the Bucks secondary—they're awful. Like it's all about the pressure. But having said that, I—I I understand where. All of you guys are coming from. My mind is saying KC, but like Peo said, my gut is saying Brady. I will never bet against them ever again. Um, and you guys touched up on it about the, I guess it's the center and the tackles, uh, but it's the exact same thing as how the Tampa Bay Buccaneers beat Rodgers. If they apply pressure and neutralize Mahomes in the red zone, I think they have a shot to pull it out and I'm going with the Bucks. It's going to be a shootout potential. And, I th- and it's going to be a tight game, but I'm, I'm definitely going the Bucks here. Luke's steaming now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm, not, I'm not steaming. I, I just find it funny, the verbiage that you guys use after last week. You're all saying, oh, no, like no one's saying that Tom Brady's the reason why they won, they won the game. And then everyone's reason coming into this was like, oh, I can never bet against Tom no, Brady. That, so. that, to a me, Tom Brady-led no. team. Yeah, to me, that's a cherry yeah. on top. I'm, I'm, I like their defense. Yeah. I like yeah. their, their I, other I, pieces on I offense. Also, I also think it's going to be messy. I think, you know, Brady probably will turn over the ball multiple times, but he'll also make the correct throws at the correct time. I mean, that that's you have to you have to mention that the most important point where Brady, unlike a lot of quarterbacks, he 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 doesn't make mistakes and if he does, it it's like what Mike said last week. It's like, you know, it could be a punt. And I think he I think he at the end of the day, he will come in clutch and he will win the win this game. One thing we never even touched on, too. This game is being played in Tampa Bay with fans in the stadium. So that that's gonna yeah, help but as well the, a su- bit. The, like the Super Bowl is notorious. Like I was I was at a Super Bowl in Detroit, and like half the crowd wasn't even wearing jerseys. Right? Like um, I don't think it's gonna. Like, that was the, the Detroit wasn't playing in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I know, but I'm just saying, like, typically the crowd in a Super Bowl isn't super, like, crazy. That's because well, there's, there's, there's never been a team in the Super Bowl for the host city, right? Sure, the yeah. Yeah. For me, the biggest advantage of being at home is just you're in your home routine. You don't have yeah. to go to the hotel room. That's a good I think point. That's, I think that's going to be the advantage of being, you know, having the Super yeah. Bowl in Tampa. Not, you're point. not really going to notice it on Sunday. You're going to note, like, the advantages. Like the lead-up. Yeah, the lead-up. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think you guys made good points, and I don't, like, this game isn't, going to be a blowout we know that either side um so i i think it's irresponsible of me to dismiss your points like they're they don't make sense because i think they do um and one one thing peo noted is like the last time they played kansas city had to play like a near perfect offensive game but i'm just like backtracking just to last week i think tampa bay's defense played a near perfect game against green bay um in order to try and slow down that that uh green bay offense and try and do enough um i think they'll They'll have to come out and do like play a near perfect game again against Kansas City, which is just as difficult in my opinion, right? Um, they're going to have to force turnovers somehow, I think, in order to win that game, um, and it's a tough team to to face uh, to force turnovers against. So was Green Bay, but uh, doing it back to back weeks, I think, is a difficult task. So we just talked about the quarterbacks for the Super Bowl. Let's talk about the MVPs. What, what do you guys think about the MVP? 
So we're doing. Let's let's pick uh, who we think is gonna win, and then who we would bet on to make it a little bit more spicy for our viewers. Um, so for me, I, based on picking the Chiefs, I think it's statistically I have to go with Patrick Mahomes. I think he will play great as well. Um, but if I'm betting, I feel like if somebody other than the quarterback on the Chiefs can shine and really take over a game, I really it's up to two people for me, and that's one either Travis Kelsey um, or two. Uh, Tyreek Hill and I, I would I would go with Kelsey because I think he's harder to stop and harder to shut down in a game. Um, so I, I think my betting at eleven to one odds too is is Travis Kelsey for MVP. Yeah, like Luke said, it's hard not to pick the quarterback, and Brady's a little bit better of an odd because uh, Bucks aren't favored. But to go off the board, I'm going to go Shaquille Barnett. He's a pass rusher for the Bucks, uh, and like I said, the left tackle's out. I think he's going to eat all game, and if the Bucks are going to win. He's going to make three or four plays, and then hopefully Brady doesn't play up to you know an MVP type, but it's you know more committee on the offense, and uh, he sticks out and he wins MVP. He's a twenty-six of an odd. So I was going to pick Barrett like Mikey, so I'll switch it up and actually I'll pick Devin White from the Tampa Bay Bucks. He has the best odds at out of the defensive player, and he's a linebacker. Same same point as Camps. They're going to apply pressure, and uh, I see White. Getting getting down and dirty with Patrick Mahomes and getting a couple of sacks, maybe maybe an interception, and yeah, I'm gonna pick Devin White as my MVP. I like the I like the strategy of going defense too, uh, but if I if I had to go, I'd probably go. I think Tampa Bay's running game is gonna have a big game, um, so I'd go with Leonard Fournette as my uh, dark horse MVP. Right, that's twenty nine. Yeah, I think he. I think maybe he can even get like a two touchdown game. Um, yeah. So give me yeah. Leonard Fournette. All right, it's time for our two-minute drill. I'm going to fire off a few headlines for this week, and then the boys are going to just fire off some uh, some of their opinions. Three, two, one. Draymond Green's tough guy comments to Magruder. Are they uncalled for? He probably uh, shouldn't have went after a guy that has a pretty good reputation in the league, but I think at the end of the day, he's not wrong. There are a lot of tough guys in the NBA that don't back it up, um, so I'm kind of with him on it. Why is it up to him to police it? Just... I would love to see the refs just let him go, stand back, and all of a sudden, I don't think everyone would be a tough guy. MLBPA rejected the proposal for a 154-game season. Is that the right call? Uh, I would have liked to see them shorten the season. I think 162, what they're at currently, is too much. I would have even liked to see something in the 140s. They need to get a season on the table and get moving on things. So. Yeah, I mean, uh, similar to Mikey, like, the shorter the season for me, the better. What are your thoughts on the courtside Karen versus LeBron feud? Why, why were their fans even in the stadium in that close sitting courtside? Like, did Atlanta forget that there's a pandemic going on? Um, nonetheless, I don't think it warrants uh, courtside Karen to get kicked out regardless of what she said. It was, it was funny and it's good entertainment for the league. I think all parties are going to come out okay, especially courtside Karen. She now has a, a brand and a reputation uh, outside of her own family. I'm um, surprised on LeBron's LeBron's reaction. I'm um, surprised he said that, and I think he tried to de- diffuse it after, kind of joking about it post game. She might get a reality TV show after that, so who knows? <laughs> Is Patrick Reed to blame for the ball drop rule controversy that happened this week? I'm on, of the firm believer, based on his history, that he knew exactly what was going on and he was there to take advantage of it, especially with no fans there and present. They say that he asked somebody, and they say it didn't drop. I, obviously, I think you should have looked at the ball closer, but in the grand scheme of things, I, I think it had a minuscule effect on the overall score of the, like the tournament and his score. I think it's being way overblown, this whole situation, just because it's Patrick Reed. I don't think there's one player on tour that's more hated than Patrick Reed. People are saying Rory did something similar, but Patrick Reed's not getting the benefit of the day. I'm a big mulligan guy, so like just let the guy <laughs> ball drop. <laughs> Lucas just surprised he didn't use Vaseline on his driver. Yeah, exactly. You want me to tell you the story or no? That's yeah, go ahead. We go golfing one day. Luke is developing. Puma <laughs> as a developing player. Like He's come a long ways from where he started. But the first eight to nine holes, his tee shots were perfect. Like 200 yards straight down the barrel. Like Luca is not usually like that. And uh, we found out after that he's using Vaseline on his driver and he learned it from scumbag <laughs> golf. 
Shout out, shout out to Scumbag Golf. They're lifesavers. I just, I just don't understand what the purpose of doing that was. Like, it's not gonna, it's not gonna it make out. you a better golfer. Oh, it's not the like audacity it's... too to be like, oh, I'm trying something new. I, I started to put, <laughs> I, 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 I started to put my in my defense. This way I did, and like, look at my, look at the results, no, man. I'm self At least I came out and clean. I didn't hide <laughs> yeah. it. You also said you wanted to see if it worked, but then proceeded to do it on every hole. <laughs> No, I, I stopped. Well, I stopped after what hole nine, Mikey. Uh, after hole nine, after, after two Vaseline and a half hours out. of playing. And another part two it was it was it was a threesome. So someone had to go by themselves. He's like, "Oh no, I'll go by myself. I love going by myself. <laughs> I love going." You by and Sap go ahead. Me and my guys, thoughts yeah. and my Vaseline. I like going. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, that wraps up episode nine. Thank you to everyone that listened to the episode and who have been with us along the, the way. And a special shout out to John Chan and our first ever guest. As I mentioned before, the bar is set high and it's probably only going to get worse. But if you do have any suggestions for some guests or you know somebody in the sports world, please give us a shout. We'll see you next week for episode 10.